section fifty six of english literature by william j long this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter eleven continued william makepeace thackeray eighteen eleven eighteen sixty three as the two most successful novelists of their day it is natural for us as it was for their personal friends and admirers to compare dickens and thackeray with respect to their life and work and their attitude toward the world in which they lived dickens after a desperately hard struggle in his boyhood without friends or higher education comes into manhood cheery self-confident energetic filled with the joy of his work and in the world which had at first treated him so harshly he finds good everywhere even in the jails and in the slums simply because he is looking for it thackeray after a boyhood spent in the best of english schools with money friends and comforts of every kind faces life timidly distrustfully and dislikes the literary work which makes him famous he has a gracious and lovable personality is kind of heart and reveres all that is pure and good in life yet he is almost cynical towards the world which uses him so well and finds shams deceptions vanities everywhere because he looks for them one finds what one seeks in this world but it is perhaps significant that dickens sought his golden fleece among plain people and thackeray in high society the chief difference between the two novelists however is not one of environment but of temperament put thackeray in a workhouse and he will still find material for another book of snobs put dickens in society and he cannot help finding undreamed-of possibilities among bewigged and bepowdered high lords and ladies for dickens is romantic and emotional and interprets the world largely through his imagination thackeray is the realist and moralist who judges solely by observation and reflection he aims to give us a true picture of the society of his day and as he finds it pervaded by intrigues and snobbery he proceeds to satirize it and point out its moral evils in his novels he is influenced by swift and fielding but he is entirely free from the bitterness of the one and the coarseness of the other and his satire is generally softened by a noble tenderness taken together the novels of dickens and thackeray give us a remarkable picture of all classes of english society in the middle of the nineteenth century life thackeray was born in eighteen eleven in calcutta where his father held a civil position under the indian government when the boy was five years old his father died and the mother returned with her child to england presently she married again and thackeray was sent to the famous charterhouse school of which he has given us a vivid picture in the newcomes such a school would have been a veritable heaven to dickens who at this time was tossed about between poverty and ambition but thackeray detested it for its rude manners and occasionally referred to it as the slaughter-house writing to his mother he says there are three hundred and seventy boys in the school i wish there were only three hundred and sixty-nine 
in eighteen twenty nine thackeray entered trinity college cambridge but left it after less than two years without taking a degree and went to germany and france where he studied with the idea of becoming an artist when he became of age in eighteen thirty two he came into possession of a comfortable fortune returned to england and settled down in the temple to study law soon he began to dislike the profession intensely and we have in pendennis a reflection of his mental attitude toward the law and the young men who studied it he soon lost his fortune partly by gambling and speculation partly by unsuccessful attempts at running a newspaper and at twenty-two began for the first time to earn his own living as an artist and illustrator an interesting meeting between thackeray and dickens at this time eighteen thirty six suggests the relative importance of the two writers seymour who was illustrating the pickwick papers had just died and thackeray called upon dickens with a few drawings and asked to be allowed to continue the illustrations dickens was at this time at the beginning of his great popularity the better literary artist whose drawings were refused was almost unknown and had to work hard for more than ten years before he received recognition disappointed by his failure as an illustrator he began his literary career by writing satires on society for fraser's magazine this was the beginning of his success but though the yellow plush papers the great hoggarty diamond catherine the fitzboodlers the book of snobs barry lyndon and various other immature works made him known to a few readers of punch and of fraser's magazine it was not till the publication of vanity fair eighteen forty seven to eighteen forty eight that he began to be recognized as one of the great novelists of his day all his earlier works are satires some upon society others upon the popular novelists bulwer disraeli and especially dickens with whose sentimental heroes and heroines he had no patience whatever he had married meanwhile in eighteen thirty six and for a few years was very happy in his home then disease and insanity fastened upon his young wife and she was placed in an asylum the whole afterlife of our novelist was darkened by this loss worse than death he became a man of the clubs rather than of his own home and though his wit and kindness made him the most welcome of clubmen there was an undercurrent of sadness in all that he wrote long afterwards he said that though his marriage ended in shipwreck he would do it over again for behold love is the crown and completion of all earthly good after the moderate success of vanity fair thackeray wrote the three novels of his middle life upon which his fame chiefly rests pendennis in eighteen fifty henry esmond in eighteen fifty two and the newcomes in eighteen fifty five dickens great popular success as a lecturer and dramatic reader had led to a general desire on the part of the public to see and to hear literary men and thackeray to increase his income gave two remarkable courses of lectures the first being english humorists of the eighteenth century and the second the four georges both courses being delivered with gratifying success in england and especially in america 
dickens as we have seen was disappointed in america and vented his displeasure in outrageous criticism but thackeray with his usual good breeding saw only the best side of his generous entertainers and in both his public and private utterances emphasized the virtues of the new land whose restless energy seemed to fascinate him unlike dickens he had no confidence in himself when he faced an audience and like most literary men he disliked lecturing and soon gave it up in eighteen sixty he became editor of the cornhill magazine which prospered in his hands and with a comfortable income he seemed just ready to do his best work for the world which has always believed that he was capable of even better things than he ever wrote when he died suddenly in eighteen sixty three his body lies buried in kensal green and only a bust does honor to his memory in westminster abbey henry esmond works of thackeray the beginner will do well to omit the earlier satires of thackeray written while he was struggling to earn a living from the magazines and open henry esmond eighteen fifty two his most perfect novel though not the most widely known and read the fine historical and literary flavor of this story is one of its most marked characteristics and only one who knows something of the history and literature of the eighteenth century can appreciate its value the hero colonel esmond relates his own story carrying the reader through the courts and camps of queen anne's reign and giving the most complete and accurate picture of a past age that has ever appeared in a novel thackeray is as we have said a realist and he begins his story by adopting the style and manner of a scholarly gentleman of the period he is describing he has an extraordinary knowledge of eighteenth-century literature and he reproduces its style in detail going so far as to insert in his narrative an alleged essay from the tatler and so perfectly is it done that it is impossible to say wherein it differs from the style of addison and steele realism of esmond in his matter also thackeray is realistic reflecting not the pride and pomp of war which are largely delusions but its brutality and barbarism which are all too real painting generals and leaders not as the newspaper heroes to whom we are accustomed but as moved by intrigues petty jealousies and selfish ambitions showing us the great duke of marlborough not as the military hero the idol of war crazed multitudes but as without personal honor and governed by despicable avarice in a word thackeray gives us the back stairs view of war which is as a rule totally neglected in our histories when he deals with the literary men of the period he uses the same frank realism showing us steele and addison and other leaders not with halos about their heads as popular authors but in slippers and dressing-gowns smoking a pipe in their own rooms or else growing tipsy and hilarious in the taverns just as they appeared in daily life both in style and in matter therefore esmond deserves to rank as probably the best historical novel in our language the plot of esmond the plot of the story is like most of thackeray's plots very slight but perfectly suited to the novelist's purpose 
the plans of his characters fail their ideals grow dim there is a general disappearance of youthful ambitions there is a love story at the centre but the element of romance which furnishes the light and music and fragrance of love is inconspicuous the hero after ten years of devotion to a young woman a paragon of beauty finally marries her mother and ends with a few pious observations concerning heaven's mercy and his own happy lot such an ending seems disappointing almost bizarre in view of the romantic novels to which we are accustomed but we must remember that thackeray's purpose was to paint life as he saw it and that in life men and things often take a different way from that described in romances as we grow acquainted with thackeray's characters we realize that no other ending was possible to his story and conclude that his plot like his style is perhaps as near perfection as a realistic novelist can ever come vanity fair vanity fair eighteen forty seven eighteen forty eight is the best known of thackeray's novels it was his first great work and was intended to express his own views of the social life about him and to protest against the overdrawn heroes of popular novels he takes for his subject that vanity fair to which christian and faithful were conducted on their way to the heavenly city as recorded in pilgrim's progress in this fair there are many different booths given over to the sale of all sorts of vanities and as we go from one to another we come in contact with juggling cheats games plays fools apes knaves rogues and that of every kind evidently this is a picture of one side of social life but the difference between bunyan and thackeray is simply this that bunyan made vanity fair a small incident in a long journey a place through which most of us pass on our way to better things while thackeray describing high society in his own day makes it a place of long sojourn wherein his characters spend the greater part of their lives thackeray styles this work a novel without a hero the whole action of the story which is without plot or development revolves about two women amelia a meek creature of the milk and water type and becky sharp a keen unprincipled intriguer who lets nothing stand in the way of her selfish desire to get the most out of the fools who largely constitute society on the whole it is the most powerful but not the most wholesome of thackeray's works pendennis in his second important novel pendennis eighteen forty nine eighteen fifty we have a continuation of the satire on society begun in vanity fair this novel which the beginner should read after esmond is interesting to us for two reasons because it reflects more of the details of thackeray's life than all his other writings and because it contains one powerfully drawn character who is a perpetual reminder of the danger of selfishness the hero is neither angel nor imp in thackeray's words but the typical young man of society whom he knows thoroughly and whom he paints exactly as he is a careless good-natured but essentially selfish person who goes through life intent on his own interests 
pendennis is a profound moral study and the most powerful arraignment of well-meaning selfishness in our literature not even excepting george eliot's romola which it suggests the newcombs two other novels the newcombs eighteen fifty five and the virginians eighteen fifty nine complete the list of thackeray's great works of fiction the former is a sequel to pendennis and the latter to henry esmond and both share the general fate of sequels in not being quite equal in power or interest to their predecessors the newcomes however deserves a very high place some critics indeed placing it at the head of the author's works like all thackeray's novels it is a story of human frailty but here the author's innate gentleness and kindness are seen at their best and the hero is perhaps the most genuine and lovable of all his characters thackeray's essays thackeray is known in english literature as an essayist as well as a novelist his english humorists and the four georges are among the finest essays of the nineteenth century in the former especially thackeray shows not only a wide knowledge but an extraordinary understanding of his subject apparently this nineteenth-century writer knows addison fielding swift smollett and other great writers of the past century almost as intimately as one knows his nearest friend and he gives us the fine flavor of their humor in a way which no other writer save perhaps lamb has ever rivaled note it should be pointed out that the english humorists is somewhat too highly colored to be strictly accurate in certain cases also notably that of steele the reader may well object to thackeray's patronizing attitude toward his subject End of note. the four georges is in a vein of delicate satire and presents a rather unflattering picture of four of england's rulers and of the courts in which they moved both these works are remarkable for their exquisite style their gentle humor their keen literary criticisms and for the intimate knowledge and sympathy which makes the people of a past age live once more in the written pages general characteristics in treating of thackeray's view of life as reflected in his novels critics vary greatly and the following summary must be taken not as a positive judgment but only as an attempt to express the general impression of his works on an uncritical reader he is first of all a realist who paints life as he sees it as he says himself i have no brains above my eyes i describe what i see his pictures of certain types notably the weak and vicious elements of society are accurate and true to life but they seem to play too large a part in his books and have perhaps too greatly influenced his general judgment of humanity an excessive sensibility or the capacity for fine feelings and emotions is a marked characteristic of thackeray as it is of dickens and carlyle he is easily offended as they are by the shams of society but he cannot find an outlet as dickens does in laughter and tears and he is too gentle to follow carlyle in violent denunciations and prophecies he turns to satire influenced doubtless by eighteenth-century literature which he knew so well and in which satire played too large a part 
his satire is never personal like pope's or brutal like swift's it is tempered by kindness and humor but it is used too freely and generally lays too much emphasis on faults and foibles to be considered a true picture of any large class of english society thackeray is a moralist besides being a realist and satirist thackeray is essentially a moralist like addison aiming definitely in all his work at producing a moral impression so much does he revere goodness and so determined is he that his pendennis or his becky sharp shall be judged at their true value that he is not content like shakespeare to be simply an artist to tell an artistic tale and let it speak its own message he must explain and emphasize the moral significance of his work there is no need to consult our own conscience over the actions of thackeray's characters the beauty of virtue and the ugliness of vice are evident on every page his style whatever we may think of thackeray's matter there is one point in which critics are agreed that he is master of a pure and simple english style whether his thought be sad or humorous commonplace or profound he expresses it perfectly without effort or affectation in all his work there is a subtle charm impossible to describe which gives the impression that we are listening to a gentleman and it is the ease the refinement the exquisite naturalness of thackeray's style that furnishes a large part of our pleasure in reading him end of section fifty six